in this morning. I know that there's others that are going to plan to be here. And I just praise God for the opportunity to continue to minister in, in this capacity, you know, to share with you encouraging words, uh, to help us uh, to be better men, um, and to help us uh, not only to be better men, but to be role models, uh, something of great importance. Because as you know, the gr- generation that is growing up today, they don't have the role models that they should have so that they can develop into uh, productive uh, young men. Now, when I say that, the, uh, to be productive young men, we're talking about not just uh, technology. We're not talking about technology. We're not talking about smarts, but we're talking about learning how to be men. And that technology cannot teach you. Uh, no book can teach you that. It has to be example for them. It has to be taught to them. And this is one of those things that we are uh, challenged in our days uh, because we have uh, uh, youth that are, that are um, uh, set in their mind uh, that their way is the right way. But yet, they need us. They need us to teach them how to, if you will, survive as men in this world. So it is an important uh, uh, role in our lives that we become, like the Bible would say, counselors, models for, for our younger generation. So let's bow our heads. Father Almighty, we want to thank you for the blessed messages that we have heard throughout this whole week. Um, no doubt in my mind you had inspired Jose. And uh, Lord, I pray that you may inspire your servant as well. Father, what we discussed this morning, we pray that you may help us uh, so that, again, we'll be aware um, of your will for us, that we may grow in grace, that we may become the men and women that you expect, uh, expect us to be and be that role model, Father, uh, to the younger generation as well. For it's in Jesus I most humbly pray. Amen. All right. Um, so, as you know, we, we have talked about the grid. Um, and, um, and, of course, when we think about the grid, uh, G stands for guts. Guts. R stands for resilience. Um, I stands for initiative. And T for tenacity. And it's very important that we bear that in mind because, like it was mentioned, uh, in order to, to uh, be successful, you have to engage. And even when you engage, you may have a, you may have a lost battle. But bearing in mind that the war has already been won. In Jesus. So this morning, what I'm going to do is to talk to you a little bit about what the scriptures has to say, because we've talked about um, having that guts, guts to go in, face the enemy, and fight, right? And we talked about being resilient. In other words, 
being able to, though we may, may find ourselves with a setback or a lost battle, we will bounce back. We will come back and we will continue to battle, right? But we also have learned that the, the, uh, you can't wait for somebody to do it for you. You have to initiate it yourself. You know, that reminds me sometimes of people, I don't know if this has happened to you, but this reminds me of people that sometimes will say to you, could you pray for me uh, so the Lord will, will help me to become stronger? When you know that that person is not praying for themselves. This, you, you cannot piggyback on somebody else. You, you understand? You have to be able to initiate it yourself. Of course people will be willing to pray for you. But until you initiate it yourself with a desire, with that desire to, to, to allow the Holy Spirit to help you, somebody else's prayer may not do the job. Yeah, yeah. That's correct. You've got you to gotta engage. And, and this is what I see sometimes in the lives of individuals. We're not engaging. We're, and it, it takes that initiative to do that. Okay? And of course, uh, you have to hold on. No matter what, you have to hold on. That's where tenacity comes into play. We hold on to the vision we hold on to Christ's victory. We hold on to faith regardless of what happens in between. This is extremely important. So this morning, I want to just slightly talk to you about what can get in the way of the, of, of the grit. What can lead us sometimes for us to, to fail? Okay? This is important. Now, the first, first verse that I want us to look at um, is in 2nd uh, of uh, Timothy, chapter 3. 2nd of Timothy, chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, just, just, uh, just give me a hearty amen and, and find a verse once you get that verse. 2nd of Timothy, chapter 3, verse 12. 2nd of Timothy, chapter 3, verse 12. And, and this is very important that we understand from the beginning. From the very beginning, we engage our relationship with Jesus Christ. It tells us, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer what? Persecution. So it is important that we understand what are we engaging. We have to understand who is this enemy? Now, we talked about the enemy, have we not? The two enemies is what? Self, Self and Satan. Okay? But within those two enemies, who can cause you to lose, to, to, to lose your salvation? Yourself. Yourself. And you know why? Because self makes choices. We can either choose to... To, to serve or uh, the enemy or allow the enemy to defeat us or we can choose to bounce back regardless of what happens. 
This is why one of the verses that I, that, that I love of the Bible, I mean, there are a whole bunch of them that I love. I mean, the whole Bible is, 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 is awesome. But Paul, I, I love these verses where he says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life no principalities, no powers, no things present, no things to come, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of who? God, who is in who? Christ Jesus. He is telling us that we are successful battling when our foundation is Jesus. Because remember what Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father but by whom? By me. So we have to understand that when we engage in our relationship with Christ, we have engaged war. We have engaged war. So the grit is what helps us go and be successful in this war, through Jesus Christ, the foundation, the rock, the refuge. Follow me? Okay, so that is the first thing that we need to, to bear in mind. That, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be for Christ, I'm going to live for Christ, but don't forget that just as Christ suffered in, uh, in this world, so will I. So will I. Follow me? This quarter, we have been uh, studying the book of, of uh, Peter. The book of Peter is really interesting, and, and, uh, and uh, Jose was, was working with, with the book of Peter. And I, wanna, I want us to go back to the book of Peter, because there's something of great importance that we have to understand. Okay? If we are to be grit people, we have to understand what does the Bible tells us concerning this battle. Concerning this battle. If you're in the first of Peter, we're going to be looking at two, two sections. Uh, chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 13 through 15, the first, the first verse, verses. Are you there? First of Peter, chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 15. Okay? First, first of Peter. First of Peter, chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. And who is he who will harm you if you become a follower of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, underline that, for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. You follow where I'm going with this? You are blessed. 
and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. If you never memorize this next verse, I hope that you do. But sanctified the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the, for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now this is very important for us. Because you see, Peter is talking about suffering. We're going to identify what kind of suffering is this in the next verses. Okay? But I want you to visualize what he is saying. If you suffer for doing good, for being righteous, we don't need to fear. We don't need to fear. Now, let's define good. Let's define righteous. Who is good? God. He is good. Who is righteous? God, Jesus. It is his raiment of, of, uh, of uh, his righteousness that we become righteous. Amen? Amen? So we have to understand once again that when we are engaging, we need to engage in righteousness. You follow? I want you to look at the next verses that I, that I have for you. Um, turn to this, uh, chapter 4 of the same book. Chapter 4 of the same book. First of Peter. And I'm going to start from verse 12. Chapter 4 of First of Peter from verse 12. Beloved... Do not think it strange concerning fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Let's stop right there. Second of Timothy chapter 3 verse 12 said, First of Timothy, second of Timothy chapter 3 verse 12 said that when we engage in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we will suffer tribulations. Remember us reading that? You see, what the, the Bible is trying to tell us, and we're going to see what Jesus has to say is, that you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be tried. You're going to become a target. The devil is going to target you. The devil is going to use his own vessels to target you. Because you decided to make a stand for what is righteous. And when you take a stand for what is righteous, you are taking a stand for Jesus Christ, our righteous. You follow? This is, this is important. Because you see, Peter says something really interesting here. He goes on to say, it shouldn't be strange, okay, that you're being tried, okay? It shouldn't take us by God. In other words, it shouldn't take us with our pants down, if you will. Okay? Now, watch this. 
Look what he says, verse 13. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Did you see what I saw there? I want you to understand what Peter is saying. Peter is talking about we are suffering. Why? Because we chose to follow Jesus Christ. So the suffering that we are to engage is because of Christ. Because I made that decision to serve and witness for Jesus Christ. Now why do I put so much emphasis in that? Because Peter is not talking about the sufferings that we cause. He's not talking about the suffering we cause through our decisions. The, the wrong things that we do that some of us want to tag Oh, I'm being persecuted because of what I, what I stand for. The problem is, what is it that you're standing for? Yes, you, we should be standing for Jesus' righteousness, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we will make decisions that will temporarily take our eyes off of Christ. And then the hard times come, and you know what we normally do? Why, Lord? You follow? This is, this is something very important that Peter teaches us, us, because he did it too. He took his eyes off the Lord. For instance... Remember that we talked about Peter walking on water. Uh, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 talks about, oh, 14 rather, talks about Peter walking on water. Chapter 14, around 20, verse 26, around there. When they were struggling in the ship that night, Jesus was watching them from the shore. So Jesus decided to walk toward them. And here's the storm going on, and Jesus is calmly, peacefully walking towards them. Okay? Now, look, look what's going to happen next. The first thing they do, looked at Jesus and thought that he was a ghost. They became afraid. Now, mind you, they were chosen by Jesus. These were the same men that went out and cast demons out of others, who healed others, who watched the miracles of Jesus Christ right before their eyes. They were in a storm. Don't we find ourselves in storms of life? Don't we, at times, when these storms strike, we, we, we fear? 
we get concerned, we worried. So here comes Jesus, and Peter looks at Jesus, and, um, and they shouted, at first, it's a ghost. He says, no, no, it's not a ghost, it's me. It's me. And Peter, like always, said, if it's you, Lord, let me step out and walk on water too. And the Lord said, come on down. Right? He says, come on. So Peter got out. He started to walk. But then the Bible tells us that he noticed the winds, he noticed the waves, and he began to sink. Thank you. That's the number one problem that we run into. We take our eyes off Jesus. Yes. He took his eyes off Jesus. That's exactly right. You see what we do? Yes. Meaning, he took his eyes off Jesus. I want to put the emphasis on that fact. Hey, look at me. You know, like, yo, man, check it out. I'm walking on water. Not knowing that because of his silliness, he started to sink. But praise Jesus, that though he was sinking, Jesus immediately put his hands out and got him out. Yeah, yeah, he cried out. He said, Lord, save me. Right? And that's important, that we recognize that when we are sinking, Jesus is there to pick us up. I'm going to paraphrase what you said. We start looking at the problems. We start looking at the negativity of our circumstances. That's what results out of it. When we start dealing with it by ourselves. Yeah. Right, right. But if you don't run to him, it gets worse. <laughs> yes, now I'm going to tell you why that happens. What happens is, is remember, though we are walking in this path, the devil would put his barriers there before you. He sends his clouds to cloud your mind. 
the circumstances, the problems, enough to get us to turn our heads. When we turn our heads, Jesus has been clouded from our vision. And here we are, trying to swim, trying to save ourselves, trying to handle it. <laughs> Three Adventists. Three Adventists, right? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Well, the thing about it is, is this. I'm glad you said the eye. Because what happens is that what the, what the devil does is that he puts that cloud and then the eye takes over. The me, myself, and I. It's not Jesus anymore. It is I doing this. It is me doing this. It is my problem. The eye takes over. You see, we have an astute enemy. And he knows exactly what he has to do. And every single one of us. What buttons to press. So that we react to whatever it is that he's doing. So you see... It takes a gritty person. But the gritty person needs to know their enemy and what the enemy does. For example, if you have, again, let's turn to Second of Samuel, chapter 11. Very well-known story. Very well-known story. Second of Samuel chapter 11 and we're going to start with chapter 11 but and I'm going to talk about it um, not we're going to read a whole bunch but we're going to talk about it a little bit this is the chapter that talks about David and Bathsheba and Uriah now we also mentioned David this week did we not he was the man after my own heart the Bible says when God talked about him the apple of his eye. But let's look at what, what took place here. Once again. David. King David. Um, though the. Was a time of battle. Time of war. He at first actually went out at the war. But he returned. And he allowed his, uh, his general to continue to fight. During that particular time, David was at his what? At his highest in, in, in his, in his uh, influence, in his authority, in power. He had it all. He had it all. The Bible says he wasn't satisfied because he looked while walking on the pathway of his uh, palace, he saw a young lady. A beautiful lady, the Bible says. And 
what took place here? He, he put his eyes on her. Let's stop. What do you think happened here? It was a trap, okay. Satan set him up. Satan's, doesn't Satan set us up all the time? No. Satan can set us up, but it's up to us to concede whether we fall into the, into the temptation or not. He will always set us up. Yes. Yeah, it's almost like, it looks like chocolate, it tastes like chocolate, it smells like chocolate, I'm going to eat this bad boy. It may not be chocolate. At any point, we, we can break the chain. Yes, but we can't break that chain unless our eyes are on Christ. And that's the point I want to bring us to. You see, David became too comfortable. Too comfortable with his walk. Isn't that what happens to us today? Hey, the idle mind is the devil's workshop, yes. Sometimes, my friends, as David did, David became careless in his walk with God. We become careless. Now, we may be saying, no, not me, because I read my Bible every day and I pray every day. My friends, that will help you. But we can be careless and still do our Bible studies and still pray. You see the point that I'm trying to bring? Our guarantee, it's not on what we do. Our guarantee comes from who we serve and who are we keeping in our eyesight. You follow? We can be tempted, but we don't have to fall. Adam and Eve, she was lured, but not Adam. The Bible tells us Adam was not lured. He was not the one tempted. Adam made a choice. The Bible is very clear on that. Uh, I saw a hand. That's exactly, you know. Um, yeah, because you were somewhat programmed to think otherwise. Um, but praise God that God deprogrammed your thinking. You know, we can we can um, set our minds in such a way of thinking that um, 
uh, this is the way, and, and lose sight of the true way. You see, this is what happened to David. David became complacent. He became confident, self-confident, self. And because he became so confident, he lost sight. He still loved the Lord, by the way. He still respected God. He still glorified God. He had a great relationship with God, but he got careless. And he fell. I mean, it was bad. He committed murder. He lied. And committed adultery. That's big, isn't it? That's big. They're going to be bad. Yes, we have a comment. But the thing is, what should have, could have, may have, doesn't matter. Because the bottom line is that the deciding factor wasn't that he shouldn't have been there. The deciding factor was that he made a choice. He made a choice. He made a choice to do something that was not correct. He had it all. In fact, when Nathan came to him, he he gave him that parable, did he not? And pointed out the sin. And what did the individual do? What did David do? He owned up to it. Here we go. He, He bounced back. He understood what he did. He bounced back. And he realized what he had done. So he took the initiative to say what he did. I have sinned against God. That was the first thing that came out of mind. He didn't say, I, I sinned against Bathsheba or I sinned against Uriah. He says, I sinned against God, the one that we should be keeping our eyes on. That's the point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know that after that, after that um, episode in his life, David was not exactly the same. Yes. Yes. Um, Well, that was part of the uh, punishment, the consequence. You remember, they, they, you're forgiven, yes, but not, the, the consequences are still going to follow. I mean, that, you cannot go around that. Yes.
Right, and that usually happens when he knows that we start, uh, when we get too complacent. Exactly. When we start um, looking at self, um, and uh, self takes over. It happens momentarily. It does. You know, and causes us to do the wrong thing. Praise God, that though we may do the wrong thing, God will still stretch his hands and grab us and helps us. You know, I, I just praise God for that. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Remember what First uh, Peter chapter five uh, verse eight says that the devil is out like a what? Roaring lion. And what what is his what is his what is the point of the fact that he is out like a roaring lion? What does he want for us? He's a predator. He wants to kill us. This is why the Bible talks so much about watching and praying. It, 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 you know, from the beginning to the end. Why? Because we are engaged. Everybody is waiting for a third world war. We are fighting the war right now. This is a war. We are at war. But if we're going to be people with guts, resilient people, people with initiative, people with tenacity in Christ, we need to be in our, on our knees in the Word of God and practicing the Word of God. That's, this is important. David, after he realized what he did, he asked for forgiveness. Now, those times it demanded that his life would be taken for doing that sin, for causing somebody else to die. Because it wasn't just uh, Uriah that died. There were several others that died because of him. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just because of him. There were several others that died during that particular episode that David caused their, 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 their death. That was grievous to the eyes of God. But yet, Nathan tells him, hey, by the way, you've already been forgiven. Isn't that amazing about God? God is so good to us, so compassionate, so merciful, so understanding about us. That even when sometimes we sidetrack, fall in the pit, we look up and he's already there saving us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yes. Absolutely. But the fact is, he was going to be punished. <laughs> there was consequences. And we have to realize that in true life, when we take our eyes off of Christ and we make mistakes, there are always consequences. Always consequences. 
Now, now, that doesn't mean that God is going to chastise us forever and ever, but there are consequences to our choices. Every choice we make in life is either going to be to something positive or it's going to be something negative as a consequence. That's what it's going to lead to. Yes? Yes, yes, I hear you, I hear you. Um, you know, the thing about it is that we have a compassionate God that knows that we're not a per- perfect beings. We're not perfect beings. We need to strive for perfect character in Christ. We need to strive for that on, from time to time. But even our striving is not perfect. You see what I'm saying? And we can fall. And we will fall. But as part of being resilient, as part of being, uh, having the initiative and tenacity to hold on to God, to have the guts to, to have engaged, in spite of that all, our strength, our encouragement, our safety is all in Christ. And as long as Christ is our focus in life, remember what Jesus says, nobody will snatch us from his hands. Nobody. To include ourselves. You, you follow what I'm saying? So, you know, we have victory in Jesus. But we need to keep that victory in Jesus always, always picture in our minds. Because if we cannot think victory, obviously we're thinking what? Defeat. You, you follow? That's, the, that's, you know, Paul had that figured out. I love the writings of Paul. Like I said, I like the whole, I love the Bible. But Paul makes that very clear. The foundation, the victory to overcome is in Christ. Not in us. It never has been us. This is why I, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus encourages us. If, uh, again, turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Now, Jesus was talking about uh, uh, persecution that was coming. And in this particular verse, it has actually dual, dual uh, fulfillment. During their time of that generation... And Jesus was also talking about the dark ages when the church suffered tremendously. Okay? But he says something really interesting here. Matthew chapter 10. I want you to look at what verse 22 says. And you will be, what? Liked 
by all for my name's sake. Right? Ah, hate it. Okay? But he who endure or stands to the end will be saved. Matthew 10, 22. Yeah. There is no there is no limit as to what or who Satan uses to to cause persecution. There is no limit to that. Now I will say this, true true Christians these individuals will be able to see it. And true Christianity comes from Christ. That connection, that relationship with Jesus Christ. You follow? But Jesus says, he who endures to the end. He who will engage the enemy. He who will bounce back. He he who will initiate whatever steps they must take. And holds on to the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are your overcomers. And this is what we want to be, overcomers. Amen? Amen? So my challenge, before we break down into groups, to you this morning is this. No matter what goes on in this world, no matter, your eyes must stay fixed upon Jesus. Now, I will be the first one to tell you, it's good to know prophecy. You've got to know prophecy. It's good to be able to remember Bible scriptures. We need to, especially the promises of God. We need to have them fixed in our minds. (coughs) But if you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart, And in your mind, prophecy, knowledge, won't do you any good. Any memorization of the scriptures won't do you any good. Because it must be connected to our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember this. The church doesn't save you. Jesus does. So you can be a Seventh-day Adventist without Jesus, and guess what? Adios, sayonara, arrivederci, ovidezen, hasta luego, ciao. You, you understand what I'm saying? This is very important because we get, we get ourselves so wrapped up as to <laughs> crazy things that I hear. Um, the crucifixion, I started on Wednesday. no. It was Friday, Sabbath, and Sunday. We get stuck with these ideas. We argue about different doctrinal views. We get caught up in that, and you know, we become careless with our walk with Christ. Because we're so wrapped up trying to prove ourselves to be, yeah, this is the right thing. No, this is the right interpretation. No, blah, 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 blah. 
<laughs> Where's Jesus in all this? Where is he? Yeah. Absolutely. That's what he sets up. It, 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 That's right. Yeah, that's the bottom line. Yes. Yeah, it was dogmatic. It was a dogmatic type teaching. So, folks, please remember that, okay? Uh, we have talked about the, the, the great concept, but the great concept in Christ is what's going to get us where we need to be. Remember, you don't have to be a Christian to, to, to practice the great concept. But if you're going to make it to heaven, you better have Christ in, in, your, in your heart. And, and don't... don't uh, don't give up on yourselves, okay? We all go through these times of, of depression. We all, you know, the valleys are there for a reason. If we're saying, God, I want to be saved, then we have to be willing to, to spend time in that valley. We need to be willing to spend time, not just in the valley, but with the storms on top of us. Because that's a purification tool that God uses to help us to become the men and women that he desires for us to be. Okay? Let's break into groups of threes. Um, we can probably three or fours. And what we're going to do this morning, we're going to, uh, I'm going to ask you to discuss within your group 
what was the importance of your um, learning this week concerning the grit concept and your walk with Christ? What, ba- what, what, what do you got out of it is what we want to share. And then after we, we share this, um, then um, in general, we're going to, uh, um, if you want to talk about it, and then I'm going to ask the ladies after that to, to leave because I want to be able to engage with the men on this. Okay, is that, that's fair? But right now, it doesn't matter. If you have a group of two or three and the ladies there, that's fine. Okay? Or maybe what I should do is this. Maybe you ladies could have a group on your own. And let the men uh, have theirs because they may want to talk about something totally different. Oh, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. We love you. God bless you, and thank you for being with us. Oh, it was my, my son. <laughs> okay, so let's do that now. Let's uh, divide up and talk about it. And I'm going to put the, um, oh, if I shut this thing off, then the comments went off. Okay.
or shall not overthrow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the only one of Israel, your Savior. Because you have made the Lord who is my witness, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Verses 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me. I will visit him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him <coughs> and save him from trouble. This again is all about our relationship with God. We have his guarantee. Don't we need to go through fire? Don't we need to go through water? focus 